Hello and welcome back to the lecture series with Reb T, the show where we talk a session per week, a topic and a session per week with hopefully some practical lessons to keep. We try to do it in a bi-weekly format. Look out for all the other shows we've done till now. And thank you for joining us this week. Tonight we're talking the possibility of creativity. Be persuasive and creative. Sources from Safari, the great website, unless noted otherwise. Look out for the PTCs, the points to carry over, usually bold, underlined, and italicized. All shiurim, all my shiurim are on shiurenjoyment.com slash shiurim slash shiurim dash reb dash t. Shout out to Jake W for all his wonderful work on that website. Three of my podcasts are on all podcast forum. The lecture series, which you're a part of right now, the pal, the Pikre Evo show, where we talk a mission of Perkyovos per day with sage the commentary and practical advice to say. And the OT Talk Show, where we talk how to live a more functional and independent life through the lens of an OT. They're on all podcast forums. So if you go through Anchor or Google Podcasts or iTunes Podcasts, you can find them there. If you want to email me, shoot me an email, please, at rebt at sheerenjoyment.com. This year is for the Rafur Shalema of Livia, Margalit, Bat, Ilana, Devorah, and for anyone sick or needing a Yeshua or Rafua. So when we think of the word creativity, when that term comes to mind, what does that term mean for you? What do you think of when you hear that word? What do you picture when you hear that word? The dictionary defines creativity as the use of the imagination or original ideas, especially in the production of an artistic work. This great website, creativeatwork.com, explains that creativity is the act of turning new and imaginative ideas into reality. Creativity is characterized by the ability to perceive the world in new ways, to find hidden patterns, to make connections between seemingly unrelated phenomena, and to generate solutions. The idea of being creative is also defined by the dictionary as relating to or involving the imagination or original ideas, especially in the production of an artistic work. A creative person has the ability to invent and develop original ideas, especially in the arts. I think of the proverb, I think of the saying, the statement where it said that necessity is the mother of invention, which is an English language proverb explained by Wikipedia, meaning roughly the primary driving force for most new inventions is a need. Some attribute the phrase to Plato, the philosopher, others to Albert Einstein, much more recently in history. Either way, a very important phrase for how much invention and creativity was done throughout our history and throughout our past. The dictionary points out that the term invention is the action of inventing something, typically a process or a device, and the term also of creative ability to invent. The dictionary explains is to create or design something that has not existed before and be the originator of 
be the inventor of, someone that, that comes up with the idea, and to make up something like an idea, a name, a story, etc. Wikipedia further points out that an invention is a unique or novel device, a method, a composition, or a process. The invention process is a process within an overall engineering and product development process. It may be an improvement upon a machine or a product or a new process itself for creating an object or a result. If we think about achievements, including artistic achievements, it's fascinating what the human mind can do, especially in relation to helping out mankind, which is what the Nobel Prize really showcases. When we think about the term artistic, someone who is artistic, the dictionary defines artistic as having or revealing natural creative skill. People who invent, who bring artistic achievements to the world, they, through their talents, can bring so much good and receive high acclamation for their for their word for their work and for all they bring of course we shouldn't look for the honor but if they do something they should be recognized for it look at the quote from this source this comes from judaism fossil or ferment there's no need to list all the outstanding Jews who have creatively participated in the secular activities of the West on the literary, cultural, artistic, scholarly, and political plane. There's so many people that brought so much creativity, so much artistic ability, so much invention to the modernized world, to the Western world, to the world at large, and they were of a Jewish nature, and they were mostly, many of them were Jewish themselves, which to me brings to mind the idea of the Nobel Prize and how so many Jewish people won it. Look at what Wikipedia points out about the Nobel Prize and then about the Jewish recipients. The Nobel Prize, Nobel Preset, or Nobel Prisen, whether you're looking at Swedish or Norwegian, is a set of annual international awards bestowed in several categories by Swedish or Norwegian institutions in recognition of academic cultural or scientific advances. The will of the Swedish chemist, engineer, and industrialist Alfred Nobel established the five Nobel Prizes in 1895. The prizes are in chemistry, literature, peace, physics, and physiology or medicine were first awarded in 1901, all the way back in 1901. The prizes are widely regarded as the most prestigious awards available in their respective fields. So it's very hard to obtain these prizes. It's very hard to attain these these prestigious awards, these prestigious bestows of honor and these positions of honor. But look how many people got it who were Jewish. Wikipedia notes Nobel Prizes have been awarded to over 900 individuals of whom at least 20%, and we'll look at a statistic in a minute how much it really was, were Jews, although the Jewish population comprises less than 0.2% of the entire world's population. So more than 20% received the prize who were Jewish, even though the Jewish population is only 0.2% of the whole world population. Various theories have been proposed to explain this phenomenon, which has received considerable attention. The academics, the Israeli academics, Dr. Alai Ben-Gal and Professor Yeshayahu Leibowitz, curious about the phenomenon, started to form an encyclopedia of Jewish Nobel laureates, laureates and interview as many as possible about their life and work. 
Jews have been the recipients of all six awards. The first Jewish recipient was Adolf von Bayer. Von Bayer was awarded the prize in chemistry in 1905. Albert Michelson, or Michelson, the first American to get it in 1910, was born into a Jewish family although his beliefs were very different than ours. As of 2019, the most recent Jewish recipient was economics laureate Michael Kramer. Jewish laureates Eli Wiesel and Imre Curtis survived the extermination camps during the Holocaust, while Francis Englert survived by being hidden in orphanages and children's homes. Others like Walter Cohn, Otto Stern, Albert Einstein, Hans Krebs, and Martin Karplus had to flee Nazi Germany to avoid persecution. Others like Rita Levy, Montalcini, Herbert Hauptmann, Robert Furchtgott, Arthur Kornberg, and Jerome Carl experienced significant anti-Semitism in their careers, and yet Look how high they reached. Look how creative they became. Look how inventive they became to be recognized by the Nobel Prize itself. And the oldest person to get it, uh, it was a 96-year-old American Jew, Arthur Ashkin, who was that age at the time he got it. Fascinating. Unbelievable. The effect, the ability, the creative ability, the creative in- invention and innovation of the Jewish mind. H.com points out with the author Dr. K.H. Kim that creativity is like a process of making something unique and useful. The successful result of this process is innovation. Creativity leads to innovation. Creativity brings with it innovation. That is what is the result of being so creative, a creative mind, we hope. The Nobel Prize is the symbolic element of innovative achievement. And these Jewish people we talk about who were less than 0.2% of the world population, but 23%, more than 20, we spoke about it a minute ago, 23% of Nobel Prize winners, including a recent Nobel Prize winner, Bob Dylan, have at least one parent who identifies as Jewish. So Dr. Kim explains that in terms of creativity and innovation, there are are three steps to be aware of. Three steps, three practical steps to innovate, which can happen in any culture, especially that of the Judaic Judaism realm. The first one is to have cultivating creative climates. That's step one. Nurturing creative attitudes. Step two, and develop creative thinking skills. He calls it the cat. Not like the California Achievement Test when I was a kid, but climates, attitudes, and thinking skills. The most critical part, surprisingly, of the creative process is the climate. Individuals' climates include their culture, physical and psychological conditions, interpersonal relationships, developmental processes, and prevailing biases. All aspects of climate deeply influence how individuals think and have the potential to encourage or discourage creative behavior. Fortunately, these are the part we have the most control over, the climates. And Jewish parenting, teaching priorities are very effective at having these creative clients in our kids and in our students. We have high expectations. We give them challenges. We give them experiences and resources. We nurture their attitudes like curiosity and optimism. We give them big picture thinking. We want them to be inspired and encouraged. We give them the ability to further their curiosity, to give them the love of reading, especially the whole Tanakh, and getting them to understand the idea of Tikkun Olam, contributing their place to the world to fix the world, which we talked about in another lecture, repairing the world, which teaches the children to leave the world a better place 
than they founded, which establishes generosity as the norm. So Judaism already has a way of looking at creativity, understanding innovation, understanding artistic ability, and creative talent. But a creative and artistic mind can do great things, but often there is a process, there is a mechanism that is involved. I found this great website, wework.com explains how the process comes about. There's really four steps involved in being creative, involved in innovation, involved in inventing or bringing to light, bringing to mind something that might not have been there before. Really, it's a zigzag. It's not really a linear formation. Really, you could go between the steps, in the steps, all steps together. But in general, there are four steps usually that lead to one another. The first step for creative ability and an artistic mind is preparation. This is the step where you gather information, you gather materials, you identify your inspiration, you acquire knowledge about the project or the idea at hand. And this is internal and external. Internal within oneself, you think about ideas within yourself, you think about what you want to do, where you want to go, what you want to, to come about from it, and you think about external, you go out into the world, you get your data, you get your resources, you obtain your materials, you find what you want to use and you gather it physically at hand. And that's step one, preparation. Step two is called incubation, like an incubator, letting things ferment. The ideas and the information from the first step of preparation gather and marinate in the mind. Like if you put a chicken in the oven and you dress it with all these wonderful types of spices and dressings and you let it just marinate and cook and all ooze and soothe together and smooth themselves together, like when we make our different chickens that we love and we let it marinate, we let it sit out and marinate in the, let it in the oven, it cooks and marinates together. But here, these ideas and information marinate in the mind. The ideas simmer, the work deepens, and new connections are formed. Then the mind rests, quote-unquote, allowing different aspects to come together to allow the subconscious to simmer to the conscious. It's like when you're making something and you're simmering it, you have the rice in the pot, and the rice is at the bottom, the water is over, ne- o- over it, and the rice is underneath it. But over time, 10 minutes, 12 minutes, the water cooks out, the rice rises up and comes to the top. So here in incubation, the ideas are at the bottom, they're at the subconscious. But when you let it simmer, you let it come out, you let it rise to the top, the water comes out, the subconscious comes to the conscious, and those ideas that are buried deep within come to the front, come to the forefront, come to the conscience mind. After incubation, step three is illumination. This is the aha moment. After the mind was simmering, the insights come into the conscience, often in a dramatic eureka kind of a way. Could be when you're on a walk. Could be when you're giving kids a bath. Could be when yourself are taking a shower or when you're washing your hands or you're cooking. Could be when you're sitting at work, seemingly unrelated, out of nowhere. The solution or the idea could come to your mind, obviously, obviously from Hashem. I remember when the whole idea of the podcast, of my different audio shows came to forefront, the first one that came to mind was really the OT show. I was sitting at work one day a couple of years ago, 2018. It was a cloudy day, a little bit of an overcast day. And I said to myself, what am I going to do after I see these kids? We only see them 
twice or three times a week. I'm an OT by nature, by trade, work for the city. So I work in public schools for different kids. But we have a mandate. We have to see 40 sessions a week, which could be 20 kids, 22 kids. This year I have 29, 28 kids, maybe 29. Depends on how you count it, whatever. But anyway, it gathers up to 40 sessions. So if you see a kid twice a week, you see a kid once a week, you see a kid at most three times a week, how much generalizability is there? How much transferability is there? How much can they take home? What can they really take with them? You're only with them for an hour of the whole week? They're 24 hours in a day. There are 24 times 7 hours in a week. You're with them for one hour? How much can they take home? So I said to myself, what can I do more to help these students, to help these children, to help these families? And I sat and I thought and I let the ideas kind of simmer in the mind. And Hashem put to mind the idea of OT Talk with Mr. T. Putting audio bursts out there, 10 minutes, a topic a day, something to help a person, to help a family, to help a kid's life. Be more functional, be more independent. How can we do that? And I love to speak. I always loved radio. I said, podcasts are free. Anyone could do it. You download the app. You you literally could just speak whatever's on your mind. You have a format. You tell viewers when it's going to be. On weeknights, you do 10 minutes. You go, Zunta, hey. That's the aha moment. That's what I could do to help. Then I said, when we do a non-Jewish version, we have to do something Jewish. What was my favorite safer of all time? Pirkei Avos. What can we do with Pirkei Avos? Let's do a show, a Mishnah, a day with practical lessons. Pirkei Avos is amazing safer. Many people call it their favorite safer. I know I do. So what can we learn from it? Ten minutes every day. And then I said, okay, we're going to go on to Daf. We do Daf Yomi anyway. Let's do something practical. A tiny, tiny lesson. Five minutes or less. It started one, two, three, now we're up to whatever minutes. We take a piece of Gemara. We learn a lesson from it. And then the Parsha, we always love the Parsha, let's talk about the Parsha. And finally, we have all these these ideas. Corona, what can we contribute more to the world? We have a topic. We could talk about a topic. Let's bring it toward the forefront. So if you have the idea, the idea is marinated in my mind. What are your ideas in your mind? Let it prepare yourself. You prepare yourself. Let it incubate. Let it illuminate. Find for yourself the aha moment, the eureka moment. And you too can bring something to the world, anything to the world. If you're a writer, you're a speaker, you love to read, you love to comment, you love to blog, there's anything you could do, you can be an inventor, you could be creative, you could be innovative in your own way, taking your own talents. And that last step after the eureka moment, the aha moment, is the verification. Following the aha moment, the idea gets written down. The plan gets implemented, the painting gets drawn, the podcast gets recorded, the article gets written, the the the, uh, the book gets read and reviewed. Steps one to three are fully implemented and developed into reality. You use critical thinking and analysis to hone and refine the work or the idea and share or present it to others. So four simple steps. Preparation, incubation, illumination, verification, P-I-I-V, P-E-I-V is the process of the creativity. And again, for myself, that's what happened with the audio shows. Hashem put my mind to do the audio shows of OT, and then Perkeavos, and then Daf, and then Parsha, and finally the lecture show. You get the materials, you get the idea together, you look into the text, you look into the field of OT. What can we talk about? We find the app, we record on the app, we think about how to implement it. It's sent out into the cyber universe on podcast forums. 
We think about what to say. Hashem puts into our mind what to say. I don't know. Hashem puts it into my mind. You started off. Hashem will guide you through the process together with you. But You have an idea. You have something you want to do. Just think how you could do it. Prepare yourself. Illuminate yourself. Incubate. Illuminate and verify, not a word, but verify yourself to get it going. Hashem will bring you on the way. Just like me and thousands of people, others that could do anything in the world. And you could have much, much more talent than all the rest of us combined. You just have to think what to do with your creative abilities, your artistic abilities. And we'll look at some very artistic and creative people throughout history. Many of them started out a regular person like all of us, but they had an idea, they implemented, they had creative juices, they had creative ability, talents, innovations, inventions that literally changed and helped the entire world. H.com also points out, Yisrael Juskowitz, when we use our creativity in a positive way, we are being like Hashem. Hashem is the ultimate creator. The verse says, there is no tzor like Hashem. Ain tzor kelokeinu. Comes from Shmuel Aleph. Bet Bet, when Hannah had Shmuel after all those years, all that suffering, she finally was given a son and she said how Hashem literally can fashion form a child when there was no ability before. The Talmud explains there's no tzior, not just sword, tzior, rock, artist. Tzior is an artist like Hashem. Hashem is the ultimate artist, the ultimate creator, and we're supposed to emulate Hashem a little bit. We're supposed to be like Hashem. Hashem is not just a scientist, quote-unquote, who manipulates particles, causes chemical reactions. He is a true artist in the fullest sense of the word. He brings unmatchable beauty to the world. When we create works of art that bring beauty to the world in any of the creative arenas, we are continuing Hashem's work. Only mankind is charged with the task to create. We can build beautiful skyscrapers. We can make symphonies. We can paint masterpieces. We can record. We can write. We can speak. We can read. We can write beautiful stories or poems. It's a task which comes with great responsibilities as well since creativity is like fire. Make sure that it should be used to provide warmth and light or... God forbid it could be used to destroy Loa Lena. We should never see or use it for such aspects. We should never be inclined to use it for such aspects, to only use it for good. There are people who have committed terrible acts, atrocious acts, and said they were inspired by certain music or writings to commit these acts. Loa Lena Rahmat Alitzlan. Every one of us has a creative spark inside of us. We are all like construction workers who arrive at a building site. Each one of us is given a toolbox at this site. One person may have a hammer and nails. Another one may have a power drill or a power saw. Another may have bricks and mortar. Another may have pipes and wiring. But each one of us needs to look inside ourselves. Find the tools we've been given to help make the world into a better place. Each one of us has a unique inner gift. Find it. Hone it. Illuminate it, incubate it, verify it, discover it, express it, and use it to help fix the world. We should be creative and innovative, but use it for good to change the world and make it into a much better place. We think about different people throughout history, throughout Tanakh. They were very creative. They were very artistic, very innovative. We're going to look at them in a second. But the idea comes and and teaches us, Crisis in Faith points out, no one can tell anyone else what the meaning of his life should be. 
This is just as well. Only a puppet could be instructed, but it is the very essence of human existence to search for this personal meaning to one's personal existence, to formulate it, to discover it. It is of the very essence of life's adventure and man's creativity. Because Judaism Fossil of Ferment points out, without suffering, there is no creativity. This is the rule. It's like the idea, no pain, no gain. Also like the idea in Pirkei Avos, Lefum Tzara Agra. According to the exertion is the reward. The more effort you put into something, the more effort you expend, the more work, the more blood, sweat, and tears, the more toil is involved, the more reward will be gotten, the more reward will be seen, and the more that will come out of it. If a mitzvah takes you five seconds, you won't have nearly the Nachat Ruach. You won't have nearly the ability and nearly the 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 satisfaction of a mitzvah that literally took so much, so much work. I think of building a sukkah over the years. Every year something goes wrong when I try to build the sukkah. I don't know why. I put up the poles and they're backwards. I put up the poles in the wrong way. I put up the poles that's on the wrong side. Every year, so much sara agra, so much involved. Why? Because the more work is involved, the more exertion is involved, the more near and dear it becomes to me. I look at the sukkah when it's full, and I have full nachat ruach. I have full satisfaction and, and full nachas to see that sukkah, to use that sukkah. I built this sukkah with my two hands. That is my work. That is my creation. I could feel proud that my sons, my daughter, my wife, and I are sitting in it, eating in it, and enjoying, enjoying and benefiting from it. I put up my kids' decorations. I put up the decorations my wife gave me, and I put up my own decorations. I built it with my two hands. If a person is involved in building a project, even if it's difficult, you can't explain and you can't depict the, the satisfaction after that project versus if he, if he has someone else build it for him. Even though I'm completely not handy myself over Corona, over these crazy few months, there were different little projects that I did. When I did those projects, I felt satisfaction because I myself did it. Nobody could come into our house to do it for us. I had to fix the toilet. I had to pick up pick the pictures. I had to put on the light. I had to put on the, the, the sign and this and whatnot. It was a lot of work, but it was satisfaction because without suffering, there was no creativity, no pain, no gain. The point being, we come to this world for a short term, 120 years, we hope, with creative abilities and talents to make the world better. Sometimes with great pain to do so. Make sure to do great innovative things. Judaism Fossil Fremen also points out, when we're talking about survival, we're talking about being in environment, being in society, it depends on adaptability to the environment, ability to change one's environment. In either case, you need elasticity, flexibility, alertness, and creativity. I used to be much, much more stubborn. Now, thank God, thanks to my wife, and and over the years, I got a little more flexible, a little more bending, a little more elastic, but it's a work in process. It takes time over the years, and as we get older, we get more set in our ways. We get more rigid in our ways. It's harder to change traits as we get older. We have to work on it while we still have many years ahead of us, God willing, on Mayav Esmshana. Perkei Elvis explains the English explanation will be a lesson of Ben Arach was known 
He's the sage they're talking about when there's a scale and he's on one side, all the sages on the other side. He's known for his great intelligence and creativity, which made him like an ever-increasing fountain. And he was also praised that he's like an ever-increasing fountain. He may not have been the one on the scale, but famous nonetheless. He had that creativity. We too should aspire to have such creativity to be like an ever-increasing fountain. The Daf Shavuot to Kedushan points out, Rava was also very halachically creative. He took down the essence of a halacha. He drew an analogy to another halacha, and he was able to bring and show greater practical ramifications. The redeeming relevance in Beratius points out Jewish genius expresses itself by working within the tension between intellectual and the creative. We have to figure out how to bridge the intellectual to the creative, how to be creative within Judaism, which is very easy. If you find the way and Hashem guides you, you have to figure out what to bring to make these innovative concepts. You think about all these websites, Asian, Chabad, Kosher.com, Shabbat.com. You think about all the Kiev out there and all these ideas of different podcasts, different shows, different lectures, concerts, and videos. So many cool organizations. So many cool ideas people think of and they bring it to light. My wife just showed me today there's a kosher candy store of a guy who brings products from across the pond from Britain and from Amsterdam, from Manchester, brings it from Canada and brings it to America. All these things we can't get here. This kid had the brilliant idea to get the candy to get the chocolate that my wife and I loved when we were visiting Lind- London all those years ago. We could get Starburst? Amazing! I'm going to order it right now. We could get Cadbury Balls? Those are delicious. Those are nu- not nutritious, but they're delicious. They're from Europe. How could we eat them? Let's get it right now. He brings it to Long Island, to the five towns, and ships it all over. That was his idea. What a great idea. And he makes a killing on it on the side. What a great win-win for him. We take any idea we have, we use our genius, we use our brilliance to try to figure out within halacha, within the Jewish way of life, what could we contribute? What could we create? What could we innovate? What could we invent? Because the point is creativity means to rise up to challenges around us, to respond and still innovate and create. The Shnei Luchot Habrit points out man is able and is supposed to perform creative acts. Shemos points out to us who was the first one that I could think of in 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 plain sight in Shemot that has that creative ability. Bitzalel and Aholiyah. Bitzalel was 13 years old and Hashem charged him with Aholiyah who probably was a similar age to do all the stuff in the Mishkan. To make the garments, to make the the the, the aspects, to make the, the utensils. He had such artistic ability, he had such creative ability at 13 years old. Only 13? What was I doing at 13? This guy was fundamental to the Mishkan with Ahliyev at his side. He had a divine spirit, Shemos points out, artistic wisdom, intuitive understanding, inspired knowledge in all manner of worksmanship. And with him was Ahali of son of Ahisamach of Don, and they had artistic wisdom to make all that Hashem commanded. Crazy. There's such young kids. I'm like almost uh, three times as old as them. What in the world were we doing in this world? And they were only 13. And they were endowed, Shemos points out, they had that artistic wisdom. They had the intuitive understanding. They had inspired knowledge and all manner of worksmanship. So amazing what they could do. In stonework, they filled the stone into the setting. In woodwork, they did all this type of artistic work, Shemos points out. Man of God points out, Hashem bestowed upon B'tzalel an artistically creative imagination and ability. Can you imagine if he took his creativity for 
for the bad, God forbid. If he took it, God forbid, and was pulled in by the by the the ego, God forbid, or by any other of the, of the rebellions or any of the other things going on in the midbar all those years. Thank God he used it for the right reasons, for the mishkan, in the service of God, in the service of Hashem. What an amazing thing. We jump all the way many generations later from David to destruction points out Elisha, the Navi, is a creative genius. He thinks of every which way to try to perform a miracle that would somehow strike a chord, motivate the B'nai Yisrael to fully return to Hashem. Such an idea of a Kirov expert all early on using beautiful miracles, beautiful aspects of life. Unfortunately, it wasn't always receptive. Even the most creative Kirov expert, even the greatest rabbi, the greatest miracle maker, quote unquote, can only be effective if he has a receptive audience. You can only speak so much if people are receptive. You can only write so much if people read and are receptive. You can only try so much if those around you actually receive what you're trying to impart. The Flames of Faith point out, when we exercise our free choice and pick the good, we resemble Hashem, we resemble Him. Through that decision, we are creative since we fashion our character. Without evil, there would be no choice. We would be neither creative nor independent. We wouldn't truly enjoy what Hashem has for us. That's why they talk about, why don't we just have a Yetzirah? Wouldn't it be great to have no Yetzirah, to have no evil inclination? But then there wouldn't be a struggle. You wouldn't be rewarded for what you do good because you would always choose good. If you only have good within you, why would you ever not choose good? You have to have good versus evil. You have to fight the evil, choose the good. You have to take the creative, take the innovative, take the inventive and use it for good. You have to be pulled in both ways, but you have to win the war and beat the war and take it to the good creative abilities. Take it for the good. You must use your imagination, the point is, and abilities for good to emulate Hashem. Create something new to help others in the world. Anything you could do to help others is a wonderful thing to try to bring into the world. Or Achaim points out in Ban Midbar, we are not free to innovate new meanings and halachos unless we can show that our conclusions are the direct continuation of the path in Torah. You might have an innovation, you might have an invention, but if it's God forbid, like the maskilim or the, or the tzedukim or the prushim, any of those ideas, that's not a good type of innovation. It has to be in line with the continuation of the path of Torah. Siyachadaran also points out, you can innovate anywhere you want. The only condition is that you may not use interpretations to innovate or change any law. Use your innovations, use your creations within the foundations, within the foundations of Torah and Halacha and find a way to do it. So we go to Shabbos, but we have Shabbat.com, the beautiful program. They didn't sponsor. I just love the idea of inviting guests, especially if they're strangers. And you can make Shabbos special for someone else. You're going to do Shabbos anyway. Non-corona times. You're going to do Shabbos anyway. You might as well have people with you. Hachnasas Orchem is such a great mitzvah. I can never emphasize it enough. Probably my favorite mitzvah under the sun. You bring people into your home. You're cooking anyway. Cook for others. Bring them into your house. Give them a Torah lifestyle. Show them a Torah meal. Show them beautiful singing. Beautiful Parsha. With your kids, little Parsha. And with with kid Parsha. And with adults, regular Parsha. Innovate within Halacha. You have the ability to be a speaker. You have the ability to be a writer. You have the ability to be 
a painter, use it within halacha. Use it within Torah. You're a guitar, you're a musician, sing Torah. Sing to the woman and find a man to sing to the man. You have this wonderful talent. Look how many Jewish singers are out there. If they took their talents to the secular, God forbid, what could have happened? Thank God they channeled it for Torah. Use it within the law. The Svarno also points out, no prophet is allowed to innovate something in Torah since Moshe died. It has to be the Torah from Moshe. Torah is not changing. We continue the tradition from the past. Sefseh Chachama points out, Moshe did not innovate even one letter in the Torah on his own, without permission from Hashem. And the English explanation of Mishnah Brachos points out, when we have innovation, provided that it's within the framework and the guidance of Torah on the path of Torah, it's not always going to go so well. Not everyone is always going to be receptive to it. It's not always going excuse me, going to be appreciated. Not always will everyone agree with the innovation or with its details, but you still need to trek along. There's always the hecklers. There's always the hacklers. There's always the people that'll try to get you down, that'll try to put you down. Why are you doing this? Yeah, terrible idea. You're really going to reach anyone. You're really going to talk to anyone. Who's going to listen? Who cares what you have to say or, or write or speak or, or sing about? You got to keep trudging along. There's always going to be opposition. If there wasn't opposition, there wasn't a Yetzirah, if there wasn't criticism, it wouldn't be a struggle, it wouldn't be a path. If there's no one against you, then there's nothing further propelling you to try to go further and further and further. At least you see that somebody's listening, even if they don't agree, but you push forward again and again. Beratius points out that you have to use inventions and creations for good things. Lamech helped Tubal-Kain to invent deadly weapons of copper and iron. His wives left him because they said he's using his creative genius as evil genius. We can't be around such a person. You're inventing weapons and ideas that'll hurt others, that'll kill others, that'll destroy others. We can't live in such an environment. We can't be in such an environment. Even the custom of young Mishnah Yavos points out they play and invent names, and sometimes the names become name-calling and bullying. You can have creative genius. You can have inventive genius, but it should be for the good, not for the bad, because the point is a brilliant mind can go two ways, good or bad. Follow the path of Torah to illuminate and not create hate. Beratius also points out that there was someone named Yuval. This Yuval was the father of the lyre and the pipe. Radak points out this person was involved in music. He was the first man to invent music and musical instruments. And look how long a history music has. It's changed over the years, but it's always been with us. Music is known as one of the universal languages. Because you could go anywhere in the world, everyone will play a G and an E, and a C sharp, and, a, and an F, and an A, and a B. They'll play all the six strings of the guitar. They'll play all the keys of the piano. They'll play all the strings of the violin. Music is music everywhere. You could play music in Berlin. You could play music in Yerushalayim, Lahav. You could play music in Canada. You could play music in Australia. You could play, play it in America. It's the same notes, the same sheet music that's known to all. And it comes all the way back here to, to this person, to Yuval, who was the ancestor that created it. It talks about holding in one's hand, probably talking about the instruments like guitars and violins that have the elongated parts in the heads which are held by the hand. Rabbeinu Bacha points out that there are different types of commandments. The ones that we would have thought of, the ones we would have innovated, the ones we would have invented were the ones that 
the human mind would have had to invent a legislate. That's why they're called rational. Sometimes things will come about rationally anyway, but sometimes we have to think extra rationally, above and outside the box. Granted, the laws of murder and stealing and robbery, those are things we might have thought of, even if Hashem didn't give it to us, Baruch Hashem, He gave us the Torah, gave us the blueprint, gave us the proper way of looking at things. Sometimes we ourselves have to figure out how to look at things, even if it's not so rational, even if it's not so regular, even if it's an out-of-the-box idea. And it's the idea of the point being, when you bring something that wasn't around before, the whole world can benefit for years to come. The person that made music, would he ever know, Yuval, would he ever know that thousands of thousands of years later, music would be around and alive and thriving and be a way to bring people together, bring people joy, bring people sadness, bring people to elation and bring people to melancholia? It has such an amazing ability, music, with its beats and its tempo and its notes and its chords, how it could raise us up or take us down. It's such an amazing invention. The whole world benefits from many, many years from this simple invention all the way back. The Shara Moon of Yesoda Hasidur explains it's improper to invent tech teachings that lack a trusted source and a strong foundation. If you're going to make something, but you're building it on someone else, you think of something, but it starts off of the basis of someone else, make sure to give that trusted source, make sure to have a strong foundation, and make sure you're not taking away someone's foundation. When I started my shows, I tried looking in a little bit if anyone else did it, wanted to make sure I didn't have exactly the same name, the same concept as other people, trying to do a different spin, because we want to make sure that it's original, not copying, God forbid, plagiarism or anything like that, because it's improper to do things that are not from the trusted source, from the strong foundation, or taking someone else's work, God forbid, calling it your own. It reminds me of the Mishnah and Pirkei Avod and Vav Vav, 6-6. Everyone who says a thing in the name of him who said it brings deliverance into the world. That's the idea why we always try to mention Blinadra, the sources and the source sheets, because even if they're esoteric names and sources that we don't really know about, this is who said it. We want to give the credit where credit is due. And when you give credit where credit is due, Geula comes to the world, and that's how we know, because it says, and Esther told the king in Mordechai's name. Because she said it in Mordechai's name, all the folding, unfolding of the events happen. You know, Haman wanted to kill Mordechai, but Mordechai was never really given credit and reward. The king wanted to treat Mordechai properly, and Haman was the one that had to take care of Mordechai. How could that Haman try to kill the Jews when, when Ahasuerus really had him in his favor? And that's how things unfolded in miraculous ways. All because the Mishnah points out, Esther told the king and Mordechai's name. Can you imagine if she said the news but without Mordechai's name? Can you imagine if she gave the piece of information but didn't give the source where it came from? A, maybe he wouldn't have trusted it. B, all these events might not have unfolded the same way. God forbid. It's very important to say things in the name of where you heard it, where you saw it, where it came from. And of course, on papers and when you're writing and research, when you're talking, speaking or writing, give credit where it is. Otherwise, God forbid you pass it off as your own. That's a real legal offense of plagiarism. God forbid. It also reminds you of Pirkei Vav Gimel 6.3. One who learns from his fellow one chapter or one halacha or one verse, one pasik, or even one word, even one letter. 
is obligated to treat him with honor. David learned from Achitovel two things, I believe. One, that you're supposed to learn with the Chavrusa, and one, you're not supposed to run to shul, you're not supposed to run away from shul, but run to shul, walk away from school, from shul. Those might not be exactly what it is, but something like that. Yet he called him these great things, master, guide, and beloved friend. So it's a Kalvachomer. Allah has come of a come. David, the great, greatest king of Israel, learned from Achitophel no more than two things. He called him all these things. How much more so? If we learn from our friends a chapter, a halacha, a verse, a word, we have to give them honor. We have to give them credit. We have to give them the, the respect and we have to give them the honor of the, the subject and to give them the reference, give them the source and give them the shout out that it comes from them. And good, it's it's good when we say it for them, and good means nothing but Torah, and Torah will be increased, and learning will be increased, especially with the realm of learning and Torah, when we do so. So we should always make sure to do things in people's names and give credit where credit is due. The point being, if you built on others' work, or you created something from someone else's ideas or blueprints, make sure to give credit where credit is due, and not claim it as your own. Definitely, 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 do not plagiarize ever. Make sure to give credit where it's supposed to go and where it belongs. And you can be the instrument, maybe on some small level, of Geula to the world. Look at the Radak, this brilliant invention that we don't even know about most times. Noach. What did Noach invent? Why did they say Zeyinachamenu? He was called Noach because he will bring relief. What relief did Noach bring to his generation? Many people say he was the one that saved mankind. He brought him and the other seven people on the Teva. Him and his wife, his three kings and their wives. So the eight people and all the animals. But really, there could be a different interpretation. The Radak points out, what did Noach do? Noach invented the plow. Thus becoming a great benefactor of mankind. He trained oxen and donkeys to pull a plowshare, easing the labor the farmers had to perform. This was the relief. And the consolation he provided for all of the human species. When Lemach referred to his son, Maybe this is what he was referring to. Because of his son, the labor, which was so difficult up to now, would become much easier. Noach invented the plow. And those who had to till the soil had much easier lives. He had definitely made their chores easier Due to his clever invention, a simple invention, a simple concept, a simple aspect of our lives because of one person literally can change the entire world. You think about the printing press. Because of the printing press, we can have books and mass and read novels, read the Talmud, Lahavdal, read Torah, Tanakh, anywhere, everywhere we want. Without the printing press, who knows if we could have done that? Think about the phone. The phone was invented, I believe, by Alexander Graham Bell. I could be wrong. But the phone allowed people to be connected around the world, first in communities, then around the world. And then it, it gave birth to the cell phone much later and the smartphone. What amazing things we could do. Of course, there could also be destructive. With good always comes bad. But we, as Jewish people, hope to use innovation technology, Zoom and Google Meet over all these months for good things, for Torah, for concerts, for unity, not for bad. You think about the light bulb, the electricity. For thousands of years, nighttime was the time you had to go to sleep. You had to go in the house. You had lit candles, maybe kerosene lamps. But nighttime was not a good time. You couldn't get much done. You had to wait for the sun. Then comes the light bulb. Thanks to Einstein and the scientists, brilliant, and the plow, all the way back. Even Erechen points out a simple invention. There was a flute in the temple. It was smooth and it was thin. Its sides were thin. 
It was made from reed, and it was in existence from the days of Moshe Rabbeinu. The king issued a command to make it with gold to make it more beautiful, but then its sound was not as pleasant as it was previously. They therefore removed its plating, and its sound was then as pleasant, as beautiful as it was before. And there was also symbols in the temple. Because sometimes simple is best. Sometimes a simple invention, a simple idea, a simple concept, a simple creation, a creative idea or concept can radically alter and change people's lives for the better forever. Like the plow, like the light bulb, like the phone, like the printing press, even the internet, if used for good. So much amazingness can happen across the world because of it. Rashi points out in Shemos that you got to understand to use your artistic abilities, use your artistic objects to help the world, a rule of life. The Olat Riyah points out that with all the practical and the social, take your intellectual and artistic aspects to perfect yourself, to perfect the world around us. The Jewish Spiritual Heroes also points out, aside from economic significance, marketplaces were where people were able to showcase their talent, showcase their creative ability, showcase their inventive and innovative minds, how they displayed their merchandise, how they thought of an idea to sell, arrangement of fruit in an artistic way, because that's where people came together, could see the talent. The point being, use your talents, creative abilities to reach your full self as well as benefit all those around you. The Brachos Talmud and Brachos points out, Rav Zutcher Bartovia said that Rav said, what does it mean he made everything beautiful in its time? Hashem did this. Teaches that each and every individual, Hashem has made his work pleasant for him in his own eyes. In that way, every single person, each individual will be satisfied with his work, enabling the world to function properly. Can you imagine if you have an invention, you have a creation, you have an innovation that never gets off the ground, that people make light of and people make fun of? Can you imagine if the Wright brothers, everybody laughed them out of the stadium where they figured out how to do flight, how, how we wouldn't have any airplanes or anything related to air travel nowadays. How crazy. We want every person to be satisfied with their own work, to feel accomplished, fulfilled with what they do. Whatever your invention is, whatever your creative talent ability is, and it could be anything. You could be really good with Shaduchim. You could be really good at putting people together, putting ideas together, formulating events, party planning. Anything could be involved that you could use, but use it in the right way and be satisfied with what you do to help the world. And Shabbat, the Talmud and Shabbos points out, what does it mean? This is my God and I will glorify Him. The sages interpret Anvehu. Glorify him as linguistically related to noi, beauty, explaining that you should beautify yourself before Hashem in mitzvahs. Even if one fulfills the mitzvah by performing it simply, it's better, it's proper to perform the mitzvah as beautifully as possible. You think about the lulav, don't get the shmachi, fakak, the $10 lulav. But you don't have to buy the $400 crazy mother, 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 mother one either. You get a beautiful lulav. You get a beautiful estrog. And of course, you're allowed to spend X amount of money. They, they say you're supposed to spend up to X on mitzvahs. Hashem will pay you back. But within reason, you beautify your menorah for Hanukkah, my favorite chag of the entire year. We do mahadrim in a mahadrim. That's the highest level. Why do we do it by Hanukkah, but we lax on ourselves in other ways? We should have beautiful challah trees, beautiful candelabras, beautiful lulav and estrogim. We should treat our tefillin and our talis in the, high, the highest, highest way. Why is it only Hanukkah? We talk about Mahajim and Mahajim. What about the rest of the year? 
How could we artistically, creatively take mitzvahs, take our mitzvah objects, our Tashmishe Kedusha, and take objects that hold our tefillin and our, and our, and our talisim and things like that and keep them in a beautiful way, encase them in a beautiful way. I love my talisim and I love my talis bags. I love my tefillin and I love my tefillin bags. And I try to take care of them in the best way. I just sent them out to be cleaned for the first time in years because really I want the talisim, which I love to begin with, to really be as beautiful and as clean as possible. And I want my Shabbos table to be clean. I want my candles to be clean. We should get beautiful candles, beautiful lights, beautiful everything for Shabbos. You know, everything related to all mitzvahs in the best way possible. Don't do it shmachli. Don't do it in a fakakta way. Do it in a beautiful way. The point being, be creative in how you perform mitzvahs and beautify them in crafty ways. And that goes with all mitzvahs. Don't do achnasas orcham in a half-blooded kind of a way. Don't say, yeah, you could come. I would love for you to come join me for a meal for Shabbos. Please, it would be my pleasure. Don't say, yeah, maybe we have ability. You could sleep by us. Maybe if you don't touch anything or ruin anything or destroy anything. I would love if you slept in my house. It is my utmost pleasure to have you over. Do you know Hachnas Orchem is what I live for? Do you know that's my favorite mitzvah of all time? I love when my wife and I could have people for the meal when we could sleep people over and COVID has destroyed that. It's been very difficult for me. But when we get that mitzvah back, when we could do it in any way, shape, or form possible, whether it be being creative in how to make a birthday party with time slots, I've seen that for ourselves and many other people. Or you have drive-bys. You have ways to see people in a distance manner. There are ways to do things in creative ways, especially for mitzvahs. Thinking about Rosh Hashanah, we did it in the tent with 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 the social distancing and the mass. It was still a beautiful davening, albeit in a strange way, but in a beautiful way. To perform the mitzvahs, beautify them in the right ways, in crafty ways. The Gemara Sukkot points out, if you didn't see the great synagogue in Alexandria of Egypt, you never saw the glory of Israel. If you never saw the base of English, you don't know what glory really is. We can look at pictures, we can see descriptions, we can see blueprints and architectural layouts, but if you didn't really fully experience it, you don't know what glory is. You don't know what mitzvah is, what mehudr is. You don't know what it's like to actually partake in beautifulness unless you saw that. We should live on a level and try to get to a level where we see the glory for ourselves and we're zolcha from Mashiach and the base of should get to come that we see real glory. And in our own lives, we should try to bring the glory of Hashem in creative and artistic ways in our own lives to do so. The sages taught in Yuma, in Gemara Yuma, some people, the house of Gomer, were expert in the preparation of showbread. They wanted to, they didn't want to teach others about it. The sages dismissed them and sent for other craftsmen from Egypt, but they didn't know how to bake it like them, so they brought back the other ones because one is one person is good at something and not, someone else will be good at something else. Everyone has their abilities and their talents. I might not be handy but I might be very good at X. You might be really handy, but you might not be good at X. We all need each other. We're all able to help each other. We're all able to contribute our own creative, artistic abilities because the point being, each person has their own craft expertise and creative ability. You should utilize it to help others. The Kedushan Gemara and Kedushan points out a person, a father, is obligated to do a couple things for his child, to circumcise him, to redeem him. We were Zohar with our oldest to be able to do the Brismil and Pidyon Haben, which is a fantastic, fascinating mitzvah. It has to be a couple of conditions, but it was a really beautiful mitzvah with the silver coins and the Kohen. Very cool. 
but we should all be zochah to do all mitzvahs. But a father has to redeem him, has to circumcise him, teach Torah to him, find a wife for him, teach a trade to his son. Some say, show him how to swim, because that's a very important thing. And some say manners, we'll see in a second. And if you don't teach him a craft, it's like you teach him to steal. Does it really mean to steal? The Gemara says, really, it's as if he taught him to steal. You're obligated to do things for your child, to teach them. Give them a craft, give them a trade, give them a creative ability to express themselves outside of the study hall. Kedushin Gemara, Kedushin points out, teach him a craft. Just as you have to find him a wife, you have to give him a craft. you got to teach him something. You have to send him to school at least. Send him to Torah, learn Torah, learn a craft. What can you do? Torah Umada. What can you do to learn and to work? Be a learn earner, earn a learner. Contribute to the world in your Torah and also in your crafty, creative, innovative abilities, especially if you could do so through your own job. Teach him a craft. Yalkut Shmoni points out, if the father doesn't do it, you have to do it for yourself. If he didn't redeem you, you got to redeem yourself. If he didn't teach you a craft, you have to find a craft upon yourself. If he didn't circumcise you, you have to do it yourself because the father is supposed to do these things to begin with. But if he didn't do it, you got to do it. You have to stand up. If you didn't have the ability, you didn't grow up in such a way, maybe you're a Tino Kshanishbam, maybe you're unaffiliated or whatever, but once you get to the point, once you come back to the fold and you realize you're missing, learn the stuff, go to the organizations, find how to do so. Because that father was supposed to circumcise, redeem, Torah, craft, and marry off the son, teach him to swim, even manners, according to Rebbe. If you don't have those things, find it for yourself, cultivate it for yourself, endow it within yourself. Brachos points out the Gemara Bar Kapara taught you should teach a simple and a clean craft. What kind of craft? The Gemara asks like cutting precious diamonds. Cutting precious stones because you're being misameach other people. A diamond dealer is involved in so much simcha. They give the diamonds for the wedding ring. They give the diamonds for the engagement ring. Excuse me. They could give jewelry for weddings and for engagements and anniversaries. What a beautiful thing to be able to be misameach other people and it's clean and it's simple and you're involved in bringing simcha to other people. The point being, we must not only have a craft for ourselves, but inculcate it in our kids early on in hands-on experience. That's why we should cook with our kids and learn with our kids and teach our kids many different things from a very young age. The Gemara Pesachim points out, some jobs the world can't function without, like a perfume merchant or a tanner, especially in those days. But woe to him who's a tanner because it's a very smelly profession. So even though many professions are great, obviously there's always pluses and minuses to every profession. But use your crafts and your creative ability in any way you can. Shamos also points out, they were able to execute all types of clever tasks of craftsmanship. That's how they use their creative abilities. The mission of Sanhedrin points out, you got to be involved in something in this world. Whether you're learning Torah, doing chesed, being involved in a trade or a craft or work conducing to the habitation of the world, you got to do something. You can't sit and lie in your bed on your couch all day doing nothing. That is not the proper type of existence. You can't binge on Netflix. You can't binge on Hulu and Amazon and the like. That's not a productive use to your day. What can you tell Hashem after all your days that, that you did with the world, you helped the world by sitting and, and, and plotting around, fighting around, being a couch potato, doing nothing. That is not a functional existence. That is not a contributory existence. You're not using your creative abilities. That's the lackadaisical attitude of TV. It's passive, not active. We're supposed to be active, doing something, contributing our skill set, our creative ability, our crafts to the world. 
Gemara Eirchen also points out, try to stick with the craft of your forefathers, because they have good stuff, especially if it's in line with your abilities. That's why it says King Solomon sent for Hiram of Tyre, because he found and followed in his forefather's footsteps. He continued in the craft of brass work, Eirchen points out, the craft of his father's family and also of his mother's family from Dun. That's the point being, there's something to say about keeping it in the family business, especially accounting or the like. If that's your talent and creative ability, honoring those who came before us and our heritage. Shaka Kodesh points out, though, when we have people in our craft, it's very easy to envy them. It's easy to envy the men of craft and relatives and friends who outstrip them and honor greatness, but realize, understand that it's a great hatred to have this, and it's a folly to have this hatred. It's a fool who thinks like this, because the Orchot Sadiqan points out, understand that no one can earn more than what Hashem has decreed for him. That's why the story of the guy in Brooklyn who took in his competitor when his, his store was on fire or burnt down or something. He let his competitor sell out of his own store. What a beautiful idea, a beautiful concept. He knew they both were fishmen. They both sold fish. But he knew that a real craft, the real money comes from Hashem. I'm not going to lose any money by doing a chesed for someone else. That's why I always say money comes and goes, but real chesed, real mitzvahs, real happiness, real memories, that's what stays. Hashem could give me the money. Hashem could take away the money. But gladdening my wife, gladdening my kids, doing mitzvahs and chesed for others, that's not something I'm going to stop doing. That's not something that money or lack thereof is going to stop me from doing. Of course, within reason. But we have to do things and understand where it comes from. It all comes from Hashem. And that's... That person who took in his his quote-unquote competitor did a beautiful mitzvah and didn't lose because of it. And he got fame for bringing a Kiddush Hashem to the world. But remember, engage in some kind of craft, even if you're wise, even if you're revered, even if you become poor, God forbid, Laoleno, you always should engage in a craft and create and engage in your creative abilities and talents. It's a it's necessary to know a craft, Rabbi Yonah points out. It's good to know a craft. Sefer HaChinuch points out, be observant in what you choose to be your craft and what you, you, you choose to do your dealings. You'll be pulled by them, you won't be pulled by them, but hopefully you'll use it for Torah and to bring good to the world. Minimize business, Bartonur explains. Minimize occupation with merchandise in your craft. Let your main occupation be Torah. Of course, the main, main, main should be Torah, but your craft, your occupation, your creative abilities should hopefully go in line with the Torah, not to the detriment of Torah, God forbid. The Torah really is our main craft, the point is. We need to have a side craft, a job, creative ability, for the parnas of life, utilizing our abilities and utilizing our traits. Sefer Yasha points out, like when an artisan is skilled in his craft, produces wonderful vessels, his craft is complete, and he can obtain everything he wants in life and get honor. Orchot Chaim Lorash points out, don't call a person by a derogatory nickname. Don't use inventive names and creative abilities for bad. You'll have no place in the world to come, God forbid. The Gemara Pesachim points out, be clever when speaking, when talking, when use your creative abilities with words, especially someone who's good with words. Don't use inappropriate phrases. Be clever with how you speak and you interact with others. Shochon Shon Arba points out, the evil inclination tries to trick others with its crafty power to make them proud and to make them haughty. Don't get tricked by the eight Sahara to use your creative genius for bad. The evil inclination is so ingenious, trying to trip you up in every aspect possible. Don't let it pull you down. Kavayasha points out the teacher must take to heart the Shekhinah dwells within practicing his craft without deception. The point being, make sure to avoid the creative genius of the Yetzirah. Don't use his brilliance and innovation in novel ways for sin. The Orchot Sadiqan points out a craftsman who has the tool of his craft in his hand can do his work, but he doesn't have the tool, he can't do anything. Use your tools in the right way, being creative in the good way, using the tools of your craft. 
Orchot Sadigim also points out, he who studies must be alert and careful. The craft of Torah is not like any other craft. If you study something else, you stay away from it, and it doesn't need concentration. But Torah and things involved in Torah always need concentration, always need your utmost attention and constant review. The contemporary halachic problems points out it's simple to calculate the value of a person who is regularly employed in a craft or a trade and doesn't only think about theory, but contributes to the world at large using his creative genius, invention, and artistic ability. Recall the Kavayasher, recall what your craft is, what you contributed to the world, how you performed your task in this world. Shulchan Aruch also points out, don't take a chazan from his craft unless he's disqualifying. If he's a good chazan, don't take him away just because you're bored. Words of Peace and Truth also points out, pursue studies, but study a craft that interests you because if you're not interested in it, if you don't do something you love, if you don't love what you do and do what you love, you're going to be miserable. You have abilities, you have creative talents, do what you love, love what you do. I always say, if you love trains, what are you doing working in a bank? If you love working with kids, why are you researching mathematics? You're not doing what you're supposed to. You need to do what interests you, what you love, and what brings you happiness, and what you could bring to the world in a creative way. Sipori Masio points out that you should learn the occupation, a nice craft that has good insight and that's very profitable and utilizes your talents. He also says it's better to learn a craft that will always be important, like someone who goes into medicine or someone who goes into different aspects like teaching or the like that will always be needed and always is a Around. Talmud also points out what is a Talmud? Once you teach your son to clean an easy craft, pray to him with all with wealth and property belonging. A craft has aspects, has the goods and the bads, has the positive and negatives, and takes a lot of work and depends on a lot of merit. The point being, try to find the craft, creative ability that appeals to you and your talents. Each person has what he is supposed to do to contribute to the world. We're going to wrap up now. Thank you so much for joining us, staying with us. The points to carry over, the points being, we come to this world for a short term with creative abilities and talents to make the world better, sometimes with great pain to do so. Make sure to do great things. Creativity means to rise up to challenges around us, respond, and still innovate and create. Use your imagination and abilities for good. Emulate Hashem. Create something new to help others in the world. A brilliant mind can go two ways, good or bad. Use it to follow the path of Torah to illuminate and not create hate. When you bring something that wasn't around before, the whole world can benefit for years to come. Think about music. If you build on others' work or created something from someone else's ideas or blueprints, make sure to give credit where credit is due, not claim it as your own. Definitely don't plagiarize. Sometimes a simple idea or invention can radically alter and change people's lives forever for the better, like the light bulb, the plow, the phone, the printing press, and the like. Use your talents and creative abilities to reach your full self and benefit those around you. Be creative in how your mitzvahs are performed and beautify them in crafty ways. Each person has their own craft expertise and creative ability. Utilize it to help others. We must not only have a craft for ourselves, but inculcate it in our kids early on. Do things with hands-on experience like cooking with your kids. There's something to say about keeping it all in the family business if it's apropos like accounting. If that's your talent and creative ability, honor those who came before us and our heritage. Even though the Torah really is our main craft, we need to have a side job, a craft for the parnas of life and occupation, utilizing our abilities and traits. Make sure to avoid the creative genius of the Yitzhahara and not use brilliance and innovation and novel ways for sins, God forbid. And finally, try to find the craft and creative ability that appeals to you and your talents. Each person has what he is supposed to do 
to contribute to the world. This has been the lecture series with Reb T. Thank you so much for joining us. Join us back in two weeks, same time, God willing, where we talk another topic per session with some practical lessons. And this has been Reb T. Thank you. Have a wonderful night.